Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Pedham here. As always, and of course, we're back to chat all things Aston Villa ahead of Villa's game on Halloween, October 31st at Villa Park against West Ham. So hopefully it's not a spooky result um, on Sunday. I really wanted to do that, so I'm glad I did that. Sorry if it's cringy for everyone else. And of course, we're splitting this preview into two so of course it's going to be me and tom nightingale in the first half and then we're going to go to nikki from west ham fan tv for the opposition standpoint Uh, i thought this might be a nice little way to change it up since the game's on sunday and give you guys a little bit more content in the meantime so without further ado and without me rambling anymore tom how's it going for you yeah it's all right thanks cole uh um wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm feeling confident for Sunday's game. I think feeling confident about upcoming results has uh, long, long since gone as a, as a Villa fan, really. Um, it's one of those that a lot of people are going to be labelling it as winnable, right? Uh, at Villa Park in front of, a, front of a full crowd now. West Ham have been pretty inconsistent this season. We obviously know a fair bit about inconsistency. Um, but for me, West Ham are one of these teams, I have to say, that I am just never confident of beating. I don't know what it is about them. Um, I just never really fancy us against West Ham. My, my big concern is um, they're very good and they're very good at set pieces, I think. I saw some stats earlier that they're second in the league for goals, uh, shot creations, crosses into the box. Um, second in the league for goals from set pieces, I should say. Um while Villa reporting Austin McPhee and we've been okay offensively, our defensive stats from set pieces are really not very good. So I'm slightly concerned that all this is setting up for a 1-0 West Ham, Thomas Socek headed winner. <laughs> so, but hopefully I'm proven wrong. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, don't we ever just, it seems like we really miss John Terry. I mean, that's not even something I ever thought I would even say, to be honest, because I thought, you know what, he's just one of the coaches. But yeah, it's crazy when you look at the coaching changeover and maybe that's had some effect, but let's let's dive into it a little bit more. Hopefully we can be a little bit optimistic. And to be honest, after the Arsenal results, I mean, immediately after I was thinking, I don't know who the hell we're going to beat in this league anymore, aside maybe from Norwich. No offense, Norwich fans. I do like you guys, but um, you're brutal. Um, but uh, it's just... I don't know. It, it, it's a weird one, Tom. Like, where do you sit with it, especially going into this one? Because I know we touched on it in the previous podcast and we've really been touching on this all season. And it's, it's just been a really stop and go start. And I don't know, where does it ever really start for us, you think? Like for me now, I think now that we're getting, I mean, touch wood, we're getting to a place where 
most people are fit you know like Watkins is Watkins is fit okay he hasn't really looked his real his real self but we've talked about how I think the system is at least partly to blame for that personally um but but now that we've got people like Bailey fit hope I mean we're really hoping we're recording this on the Thursday Dean Smith's press conference is on the Friday so hopefully there's no uh Leon Bailey fitness bombs being dropped uh tomorrow but you know looking from uh, the Arsenal game it looks like Bailey should be fit to start really then you've got to hope that if Bailey's fit to start, I think we're all hoping that we drop the three centre-backs, five at the back. We go with wingers. Um, and so for me, tomorrow's a bit... It's the first time really in the last few weeks that tomorrow's... Um, I just have no idea what to expect, really, even in terms of how Villa are lining up. Like, I think, obviously, there are certain places who are players who are definitely going to be in the team. Like, you're not... As much as some fans might call for it, you're not going to see people like Tyra and Mings dropped anytime soon, and nor should you. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see whether we stick with a midfield three and we go with one up top and Bailey and maybe Buendia on the wing or whether we get Watkins pushed out to the left and Bailey playing on the right if Bailey starts. So, you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked formation-wise. Honestly, for me, as long as we don't see the five at the back, drop the wing backs, please. Because um, I, I, I think it worked relatively well in a couple of games, but I don't think it's really fair to say that it's worked as a general experiment um i think it's time to go back if we have wingers available it's time to go back playing wing to playing wingers and for me it's it's difficult because we went through with Grealish. we went through early weeks of the season talking about how with oh there's signs that villa are going to be a better team without Grealish because you know we've taken the burden off one player and we're, we're more well-rounded and we seem unfortunately to have gone from that to within a few within a matter of a couple of months we've gone from thinking that we're a better more rounded team to kind of having the impression that uh, Leon Bailey has to start, otherwise we're in big trouble. <laughs> um, but for me, as long as Bailey's playing and we ditch the five at the back, there's absolutely no reason that we can't go and win this game. Um, I, I just, if I was going to call it right now, I would say a draw. That's fair enough. Um, you know what? If, if you're ever going to change formations, and this is the one player I always say I feel the worst off for, just do it for Matty Target. The guy is not a wing back, and it like... The only person that system benefits is Matty Cash because he can really get forward. And at times, um, like I said in our little chat that I had, or my little chat, I should say, that I had with Nikki, um, he's sometimes the furthest player forward, which is scary mm-hmm. with the gaps it leaves. And again, like we can kind of beat this horse until really it's dead, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know if that's the best saying, but anyways. Um, but regardless, it's, it's one of those things. And I look at this game and a lot of people will say, in the past, well, beating Arsenal and Spurs is expected. West Ham's a measuring stick of where we are. And for a lot of things you can kind of say is where West Ham are is where Villa want to be. Um, and I also mentioned that when I spoke to Nikki later on, it's it, it's really frustrating to see because I can see that everyone wants instant success and the injuries and everything else happens. And I don't want to bring this all the way back just to Dean Smith, but Come on, Dino, you have to help us out a little bit here. I like the thing with me is if we're going to stick with three at the back, I just don't see where we get success from again. And it, it's almost like, and I was saying this to you, and I was a little bit hesitant saying it on the podcast too. It, it's one of those things where I just feel like we're just trying to play our best players and the, it's shoehorning them into positions where it doesn't fit. Like 
if we're going to go that way, then you're going to play Leon Bailey as the wing back on the left. Then I assume it's not for me. And I know it's not for Tom. He said this before and he's shaking his head now to me, but like, you know what I mean? It just, it doesn't fit. And the only instance I can see of where maybe he's going with this mindset is okay. Well, we can play with this formation to, I don't know, tire them out, frustrate them in the first half and then switch things up in the second, bring on the likes of Bailey and Triore, et cetera, and really kind of go at them. But it just hasn't worked since United. And I hate to say it, but I feel like ever since we beat United, it's been an absolute curse and I don't know what's going on, but how do you feel about it, Tom? I know you kind of already touched on the formations and stuff, but in my opinion, without being too negative, I just feel like losing this game, It, I don't know where we go from here. I mean, I would like, I have to say, I would take a draw. If you offered me a draw right now, I'd take a draw and try and build from there, particularly if we're talking about shifting a formation, which I think we should be. I mean, it was a big concern for me to hear Smith say, I can't remember if it was after Arsenal or if it was after Wolves. I think it was after Wolves um, and the collapse that we're all trying unsuccessfully to forget about. Um, he came out <laughs> and he said, you know, there's something, something about the system. The system's not the problem. And it's a bit concerning hearing him say that because obviously I don't have any coaching badges. None of us have any coaching badges. Um, but it seems pretty clear that the system is at least part of the problem. Like you say, like I think it benefits Matty Cash, all power to our uh, Polish Cafu, but <laughs> Target, it doesn't do any favours at all. I don't honestly think that it does uh, Esri Concert any favours. Um, it's not working, is it, Watkins and Ings so far from what we've seen? And I'm not saying you should give up on that forever, but I think we're at a point now where look at the run of fixtures we've got coming up. We've got West Ham. I forgot the order, but it's like Southampton, Brighton, it's four fixtures where you're looking at it and you're thinking the way that we're going at the moment, there needs to be a significant number of points won there. Um, we're at a point now where for me, I think the five at the back has been going on for so long, very limited success. I, I really want to see us try a four, three, three. And whether that means you put Watkins out wide left, because he did have a lot of joy right last season going, coming into the left channel and then cutting back inside towards goal from there. But with Watkins, I think I think Watkins is suffering from a similar thing that Matty Target is suffering for, which, from which I have to say is the uh, the post Grealish syndrome. I think Jack Grealish made both Ollie Watkins and Matt Target's lives a lot easier last season, um, and I think that's being exposed now. Really, um, for me, I mean, if you're talking about playing only one up front, which I think we should really be trying, then you get into a question of you know does Ings have, does Smith have to drop one of our 30 million pound strikers. Um, big call for a manager like Smith to make, really. He's never, ever been in that position before in his managerial career. Um, it's just questions, right? Like all over the pitch. Emmy Buendia, do you carry on trying to play him central and hope that he connects better? He did have, it's got a good eye for a through ball, clearly, but he definitely needs to be working in better tandem with the, with the central midfielders. And Watkins, Ings, whoever's up top, whoever's on the wing, needs to be tuning in to Buendia's sort of style of play and his passing range. There are just, there are just so many questions. And the problem is, is we're what nine games in um, at the moment. I don't think there's any reason to panic whatsoever. I have to say, I don't think that Smith's job is under threat and I don't think it should be at all really at this point, but the questions are only going to keep intensifying, right? Like for a start, if he comes out on this five at the back, it, I, I, I think it would be, 
pig-headed, to be honest, to play five at the back again, the way that the last few weeks have gone. But then if you try changing formation, then can you expect it to pay off straight away? Or are you going to then have teething problems, you know, going to a 4-3-3 three, three or whatever it is? Um, patience, there you go. I've said it for the first time. Um, but losing losing on Sunday would be um, a big blow, I have to say. West Ham are a good side, but they're inconsistent. Um, and you'd have to think we're going to have enough talent on the pitch uh, to to threaten their defence, really. I think the battle's going to be won or lost in midfield. Um but you know, I've gone through about five questions in that one answer. <laughs> shows how shows how little is certain for Villa at the moment. Well, there we go. I don't have to ask four more questions because Tom's already answered them. Um, that's why I like having you on Tom. It always helps me uh, for other things and not having to ask questions because you answer them anyways. But anyways, um, it, it, it's a difficult one for me because I guess maybe the one discussion we can have now, and of course, we'll know more. Um, once the pressers kind of happen. And even then, that doesn't even really tell you that much half the time anyways. And you'd probably expect Traore is going to be on the bench. Um, the match fitness definitely isn't there. You would expect Bailey to be starting unless they're still taking extreme caution, which, you know what, if they have to, I understand it. And I would rather, again, if it's one of those things where it's building him up, I understand that because I don't want to lose him again for months. Um yeah, we've already seen what happens the last time when we lost a key player, i.e. Grealish, last season and times before that. It doesn't go too well. Who's the one up top for you, Tom, that you would choose if we're going to go for it? Because I know this is kind of a Nostradamus thing and I like getting people's opinions on it. We, we just we have to abandon this 3-5-2 in my mindset if we're going to. And maybe this is kind of the wrong time to do it against West Ham, too. So maybe this even gives him a little bit more ammunition in terms of Dean Smith to stick with what we already have. But in my mind, if you're going to play against Arsenal the way we did, there's no way you go against a solid West Ham side with one of the best defensive midfield partnerships in the league. Easily top three, if not probably the top, you'd have to say in Rice and Suchek. Um, you have to use that with. Um, so I guess with all that being said, who do you go for up top? Because for me, I'll say it really quickly. I think there's two ways you can play this and let me know what you agree. <laughs> I'm going to go off on a little tangent. I know I said I was going to give it to you, but then I just thought of something. You, In my mind, and let me know if you agree, if you're going to approach it with you want to go at them hard and heavy, I think you go with Ings. If you want to feed off one another and let it, the ball cycle around, you go with Watkins and let Ings finish it off later, maybe with tired legs. But how do you see that? That would be the latter would probably be what if I had to pick right now, I would probably go with, I think I would go with Watkins up front and I would drop Ings. But it's difficult, isn't it? Like, I think it'd be very interesting to do a, you know, a poll with a decent sample size thousand fans or whatever and see you know just ask that simple question if you're playing one up top and you're dropping one of Watkins or Ings who you're dropping because I imagine that there would be a significant split um I have to say having having banged on for a long time about how I don't think Ollie Watkins should be playing on the wing I'm kind of interested to see how Ollie Watkins plays on the wing <laughs> given given our current you know struggles to find a settled formation or whatever I do I'm wondering if Watkins it's not had a very good start to the season he hasn't been poor as such but let's face it it's not what we're his form and his particularly his goal return is not what we're looking for from him after last season 
I, I, I wonder if he might benefit with, you know, us having Ings as a real central focal point up front and Watkins coming in from the left, Bailey coming in from the right gives us more fluidity than we've had all season really in attack. Because like you said, like the width, width wise, unless Watkins or Ings has run into the channel, it's been the fullbacks. Target's not quick enough to get up and down the wing like, like Matty Cash does. Um, and you, I think against West Ham, you really do want that pace and that width, like you said. I mean, uh, so it's difficult, right? It depends whether you're willing to push Watkins out to the wing. If you're not, then I would play Watkins up front, up top and I would put Ings on the bench and I'd be bringing Ings on. Obviously, it depends on how the game's going, but you know you're bringing a natural goal scorer off, off the bench. But then it feels a bit weird saying that when Watkins has one, what, one goal. And Ings has three goals, two assists, or whatever it is. It seems weird to pick the pick the guy with the worst return. One thing I will say is if you're into omens, um, I saw a stat earlier, which uh, talking about Halloween made me made me shudder, which is that Danny Ings' career against West Ham, eleven games, nine defeats, zero wins, zero goals, zero assists. Okay, so who's staying at home? (laughs) (laughs) I don't read too much into these stats about one player against a specific team, but it's not exactly great reading, is it, in advance? Um, But I mean, it's that's the serious question, right? As long, you know, I I think we're close to ditching the five at the back, whether it happens on Sunday or it happens the week after. I think it's going to happen pretty damn soon uh, unless we experience a big turnaround in form. But then the problem is with stuff like that, if you ditch the five at the back, you, you, you're opening up two or three massive questions again. Like, do you stick with the midfield three? Do you only play one up top? Who do you play up top? Um, I know there's just so much to sort out with this Villa team. And I think if we'd have had a more settled preseason, we might be some somewhere further along the road to answering these questions. But I remember saying podcast first game first game of the season i think or the the preview that we did it's going to be in it's going to be at least sort of mid october until villa have a settled team and know what it is i'm going to extend that now it is going to be <laughs> at least december before we get to that point we've got another international break coming up as well in a couple of weeks like we we're going to we're in danger of getting to december and having no more idea what our best starting 11 is i mean i know different different starting 11s for different games but we've got to find an identity soon and it's difficult because you can't just find it overnight. You have to, a lot of it is trial and error. And when you're doing this trial and error thing with formations and with personnel, you're going to get a, a terrible mixed bag of results. Um, it, it, you know, it's a difficult, it's a really, really difficult one. Uh, I think a lot of it, to be honest, we're going to be relying on West Ham not playing to their full potential on Sunday. Because I think if, West, honestly, I think if West Ham played to their full potential, they stifle us in midfield and they win the game comfortably. Yeah, and I, I mean, it probably doesn't... I mean, they played most of their second string side against Man City and finally knocked Man City out of the, the League Cup for like the first time in five years or whatever ridiculous stat that is. Um, so I, I maybe... I don't know. It's so tough when you look at those games because some people will say, well, this player came on for 20 minutes. That honestly might even help them kind of warm up a little bit more in kind of the week into that and get in, back into that mindset, to be honest. They're a very, very good side, but again, they're one injury away, like almost like us, where everything can almost fall apart because they don't really have that kind of secondary squad that you'd look at and say it's true quality. I guess the one thing that we can quickly discuss before we wrap things up here, Tom, would probably be the midfield. I think if we're switching formations, let's say the back four really picks itself. 
who starts in the middle for you? Because th- this is, I can't figure this out. And again, I just, again, I feel like we're missing that brick shithouse midfielder that just sits there. To be honest, I do love Dougie Louise, but I do think it would be a better midfielder with Dougie Louise a little bit higher up and that can kind of float between both roles. Who do you kind of sit in that and who sits in your mindset really? It's really tough. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I think a player like Nakamba, I think, to be honest, is almost too... I don't like sort of discrediting Nakamba because I do think he does some jobs very well. I think against West Ham, I'm not sure he's the right fit for that midfield, to be honest. I think we're going to need a bit more uh, dynamic movement in in the midfield um, to sort of break free of Rice and Socek and co. I would probably, if I would, if you're sticking with a midfield three and you're playing 4-3-3, um, or you're playing that damn 5-3-2 again, um, I would probably go with McGinn, Louise, and uh, JJ Ramsey, I think. Um, I, I, I still am of the opinion, th- I think our midfield is, has, is better with Ramsey in it. I have to be honest. Um, I saw some suggestion on, on Twitter that, you know, some fans saying, you know, if, if Sanson doesn't get a look in this week, they're going to be really angry. If, if, if Morgan Sanson starts on Sunday, I will eat, I will eat this microphone in front of me. Like I, I do not think that Smith fancies him at all. Really. I think it's a real shame. I'm not sure we're ever, I, I, I got, I think I said this a few weeks ago as well. I get uh, Jordan Veritu vibes from Morgan Sanson everybody's saying the, that though like I'm not the, I heard a, that before there's a good yeah. player like there's a good player in there there's a good technical player in there and he might well leave us next summer and go on to be very successful somewhere else I just I don't I, I the way it started it's not looking good is it and then I think coming back to Ramsey I really like what he offers I like the poise he offers in possession I like the dynamism that he offers and also I think like if you're gonna hand him a start what better time really to do it than after he's just put the ball in the top corner from 20 yards at the Emirates in a, you know, relatively brief cameo. Um, it's going to be brimming with confidence. I'd like to, I, I, he would be in my midfield, I think on Sunday. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, massively. I agree with that. Like, see, this is how I kind of see West Ham though, is they're very physical and unfortunately we don't really have a true physical midfielder. If you want to say him again, cause he puts his uh, rear end kind of in everyone's way and that does work. So I guess maybe you could say that, but of course McGinn's going to start and back on Sansong kind of quickly too. Um, I think it's, it's unfortunate in the sense that I feel like McGinn around the time we got Sanson in was tailing off a little bit. He wasn't his kind of old self after the injury and it took him so long to kind of get back to that. And now he's even better than he was then. And I just, it's unfortunate, but unfortunately I do kind of see him off in like a J I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in January on loan and then we sell him in the summer just with how it's going. And um, hopefully there aren't any water bottles laying around so he can kick them again. But anyways. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, no disrespect to him, but I'm surprised he didn't pull his hamstring kicking the water bottles. Given well, the way it's gone so far. Apparently um, Dean Smith, this is what I heard is Dean Smith didn't even like pay attention to it, but Craig Shakespeare, give him a nice little turnaround glare, like, you do that again, you're dealing with me kind of thing. So good job, uh, Craig O. If anyone calls him Craig O, there you go. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I'd have to say if it was my midfield, I'd have to go with that. It's It would be super harsh to drop Jacob Ramsey after what we saw. He honestly changed the game in the midfield for me um, from a midfield that wasn't going at all to one that looked a little bit more lively, even mm-hmm. if it was for 20-odd minutes. But 
that's that really we'll have to wait and see but uh, i think we'll wrap things up there tom and we'll move over to uh nikki now with his view on looking at west ham season talk about david moyes and looking more at the game on sunday so nikki how's it going um, well very well very very well um couldn't ask for a better week to be honest but yeah i'm good man how are you Ah, not too bad, not too bad. Personally, good. Um, Villa fan-wise, not so good, unfortunately. Mm. But uh, it is what it is. Um, if you're not a prototypical top, top six fan, I should say, usually it's not that great. Unless you're Arsenal or probably Spurs right now. But nonetheless, they're messes that we don't have to worry about. Um, but yeah, let's get into the, the West Ham perspective, of course, first. Um, the one thing I did want to kind of mention, and it's an interesting one when opposition fans really look at it, would be David Moyes, of course, came in for six months for the 17-18 season, of course, saved you guys, of course, secured Premier League safety, uh, went away after that six-month deal was done, of, and uh, yeah, came back shortly after, what was it, December 29th, 2019, um, and really from there, you guys have... Uh, survived again and now you're flying Europa League 5-2-2 two, and two start in the Premier League making you fourth 3-0 and oh in the Europa League um, zero goals conceded in that composition so um, you'd have to say everything right now is pretty rosy isn't it we're doing okay we're doing okay um, we're expecting the wheels to fall off any minute uh, just because we're West Ham fans but no it's it's been brilliant the past 18 months has been brilliant. Well, no doubt. So when, when it goes into David Moyes in particular, like what was the mindset with him coming back to where it is now? Like where did kind of the fans sit with it from that standpoint and where do they sit with it now? Didn't want him. No, quite, Sim- quite simple bluntly, as that. Didn't, didn't want him. Didn't want him. I was, um, obviously I've got a big platform. I was stand platform and I, I was, you look back at the videos from when he came back, I, I didn't want him at all. I, I thought, the first spell, he kept us up, but I don't think that was, that in my opinion, wasn't too much down to him. Um, it was just that there was three worst teams. We got we scraped a couple of, of decent wins, but um, I just remember the football being static, lethargic, slow. Yeah, just it was terrible. It was terrible football. I, I wanted to see the back of him. I, I sort of got blinded by Pellegrini a little bit, and and. You know the dreams of uh, a Premier League winning manager here, um, and then that didn't work out. And when he came back, I was like, "Oh God!" You know, his name started getting banded about a bit, and I was like, "Not him again!" I can't stand watching that. And and how wrong was I? Because at the moment, I'm telling you now, um, he's got to be up there for one of the managers of the season so far. And and he, he was last season. He's absolutely turned West Ham's fortunes around. Um, he's the, the club was in such a mess when he came in and he's taken, like he's, he's done something that, you know, previous managers haven't done and that's taken the reins and, 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 and really sort of organised and pulled the club in the right direction. And he, he's had no, no, no backing really from the board. Um, they haven't given him like, you know, tons of money to spend or, you know, they, they, you know, they've, they've been a hindrance rather than a than a help to him, um, and he's just he's just done great work, great great work. Back him and the backroom staff deserve all the credit they get because they they are honestly they are at the helm of this club and they're pulling it in the right direction, and we appreciate him. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting one because especially from my standpoint, I know other Villa fans, um, especially some of the other guys on the podcast, when we talk about the likes of David Moyes, of course, you can kind of look at that career after United and the, the, the interesting spell in Spain, of course. And then we all know how it went with Sunderland, of course, and mm. just kind of like spoiled goods really at that point. And to come back and really show that he has something, I think it's not only important for him, but I think it's also important for managers kind of in his, I would probably say age range too, because you do see some managers, whether they come from whoever other kind of club and it just doesn't work or they have a good spell and it never really seems to have that magic again. I guess maybe you can kind of even throw Ranieri into that. He has a little bit of magic here and there, but it always doesn't apply in other places as well. But I guess with that being said and going back more into West Ham, is there more confidence that this season he can push you guys even further or do some people in the fan base kind of look at last season and say, you know what, if we finished around the same spot and had a successful Europa League campaign, that's good enough? I mean, we didn't think it was possible. We, we had such a good year last year and, you know, we, we, we kept on grinding out results and, we'd, you know, we'd get beat one week and then we'd bounce straight back. Um, we, we found ourselves sort of last one or two games at the end of the season in real contention for Champions League, um, we lost a couple of us, you know, our big boys at the, at the tail end of the season, and I, I still believe now, if if Rice and, and, and Antonio were fit for a majority of them games, I think we 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 would have got into the Champions League. Um, it, it didn't quite work out, but we finished sixth, and it was a, it was a great it was a great achievement for us from where we've we came from the season before, and. You know, going into this season, squad's quite thin. You know, we've, we 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 still haven't got a striker, a backup striker. Antonio's turned himself into a striker, but we still haven't got a backup striker. He's, he's got to get injured at some point. He always does. Um, and we're looking at it and thinking, oh, this, you know, the, the highs of last year is probably the highest we're going to go because, you know, the squad's quite thin and the second string ain't that good. And, you know, we've got now we've got the added pressure of Europa on it and we're in... League Cup and FA Cup and then by Christmas time, this time Christmas time, you know, we're going to start to suffer. But we haven't. What he's done is he's made, I mean, I don't know whether you watched the game last night with City, but he's made, although we're not blessed attacking-wise, he's made us such a difficult team to beat. It's, it, we, you know, our defence is, is, you know, our second string defence out last night and they was, they was as good as anybody's first defence, I think. And I'd, I'd put that up there with like Liverpool and and, and people like that. They, we're just such a difficult team to beat. We, we have lapses like everybody, like the Brentford game a couple of weeks ago. But no, we're, we're quite blessed in that, in, that, in, that, um, in that area. And you know what? <laughs> if we keep on winning games with our second string, you know, the this might be an even more special season. But I take anything, and I mean anything, like any position in the league, bar relegation to, to to sort of win the league cup even you know what I mean and that and that would be a, a very special season for us but we'll see we'll see what happens I mean you, you can't get too far ahead of yourself as you say it's a long old season we're, we're sort of caught way through it now let's see what happens for the rest of it yeah absolutely and of course you, you would know more than any or I guess the same as me I guess I could say it's as fan-led content 
we do live week by week sometimes. And it's important not to get too kind of caught up in that mindset, of course. And the one thing that I always find interesting and kind of a backstory with me, of course, my girlfriend's granddaddy's from that area originally. And he goes on and on every time I see him about West Ham and every time that they play Villa and well, it hasn't been too pretty for Villa, of course, since we've come back in the Premier League with West Ham, two losses and two draws and kind of switching more into kind of a mindset within the game. What's the kind of confidence levels going into this for a West Ham perspective on Sunday? As high as it's ever been. As high as it's ever been. Uh, uh, fan wise, we just don't think and don't get me wrong. You know, we, we went into Brentford and didn't think we was going to get beat at home, but we did. Um, but as it stands now, we just we just like to go to places knowing that we've got a chance, you know, and it's, it's that we're gonna, we, you know, we're gonna do the best and 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 try our best to get a result. But in terms of confidence, it's sky high at the minute, sky high. Well, I wish we felt the same way. Unfortunately, uh, it's definitely not for us. And I guess when particularly when I look at West Ham as a club, you'd probably have to say the combination of. Uh, um, Suchek and Rice in that midfield is probably easily top three in that area. If to be honest, it could probably be top spot at this rate with how you're going. And like you kind of touched on there, when you're winning, even the players that don't really feature that much can just have that confidence to play like a first a string lot, really. So that helps as well. And I guess from your standpoint, if you're looking at Villa right now, where's maybe one area you'd look at and sit there and think, you know, okay, they could get there and kind of attack us in that area of the pitch. Uh, shutting us out, I think, is and catching us on a break is, is I think, um, the the the, uh, the area that we struggle a little bit. Defensively, we're solid. Midfield, uh, you know, we always expect to win the midfield battle now with the midfielders that we got. So if you shut us out, but hit us with one on a break, because that's where we lack is is chance conversion. We 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 waste a lot of chances. You know, some weeks we turn up and we take them all. Like you look at Brentford, we lost two one. They they was they hit us twice on the break because we was trying to push push push, but the the, the, the you know the the chances just don't get converted and that, and that's why like I'm quite envious of Villa's attack because you got you know Watkins and, and and Ings and you know Ings I'm a like a huge fan of Ings like if you look at my Twitter over the last sort of two years. If we could have got anybody, and I mean, really, you know, really unrealistic, like we're not going to go out and get Ronaldo, we're not going to go out and get Messi, but realistically, if we could have got anybody to, you know, to slot into our side and make us a better side, it would have been Danny Ings. And and how Villa pulled that off because it was, God, it, it, it was the most secret transfer of all time, wasn't it? I don't think there was a leak at, at all, which was which was crazy. Um, and he was, he was touting leaving Southampton, saying that he wanted European football. So how he quite ended up at Villa... It, it, I think is a, um, you know, uh, it, 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 it says a lot about you know the project that you're you're looking to build. I know it's not quite going as well as it is at the moment. Uh, you know, it's not quite going to plan, but you know there must be a project there for him to say right. Well, Villa's the club I'd like to go to because I'm sure he could have gone and played for for you know he could have definitely come and played for us and we're Obviously. in the European competition. He could have definitely gone and played for Tottenham. They're looking for a striker. So somebody in the Villa backroom has, has sat him down and said, look, this is what we're looking to achieve and this is how we're going to achieve it. And he believed them. So like I think that should give you a little bit of comfort. 
um, to say that they've got a plan, but it's just not going to plan. And I don't think Villa, I, I know you lost Grealish, but I don't think Villa are a bad side at all. I just think they've had a string of bad results. They've got some wonderful players, as I said. You've got, uh, uh, you know, some some good midfielders, you know, great attackers, uh, some some brilliant defenders. But you know, it's just getting it all together. It don't sometimes it just don't quite click, and we know that. Um, but I'm sure. Listen, I don't think there's there's you know there's good results for Villa are, are far behind. When once it clicks, I think it'll click. Uh, Nikki, if I could, could I get your score prediction, please? I think we edge it. And I don't go into many many games now predicting that we lose, but I think we edge this one. I think we edge this one three, two. Yeah, that's fair. You know mm-hmm. what? Um, given how we're conceding goals for fun lately, and you guys have a lot of very tall players, and we are very brutal at set pieces as of late, um, I could definitely see something like that. Um, I've been racking my brains about this all day and trying to figure out what I would go with, but I'd probably have to say I'll go, I'll change it slightly. I'll go to all. I know a lot of Villa fans need the win and want the win. Um, but you know what, with West Ham flying, I think that would suit us probably more so than you guys. But uh, anyways, we'll wrap things up there. Nikki, thank you very much for joining me. Um, and no if problem. anyone wants to come and find you, where can they find you? Uh, we're at West Ham fan TV on YouTube. Um, same at Instagram, Twitter and all of that sort of thing. And, you know, it's um, a very honest opinion. You know, when we're bad, we're bad. When we're good, we're good. And we say it how it is. And we're always, we always try and be respectful to the other team. So you you won't see any slander there and, and all of that sort of thing. So yeah, do come and check it out. Brilliant. Yeah. So guys go check that out. Of course, I know my girlfriend's granddad will be listening because he talks about you guys funnily enough, actually quite a lot. And yeah, he's in his, I think, late 70s. So I know you at least have one um, ex-Brit over here uh, listening. So there's one to your numbers as well. And I'm sure he'll probably hear this now and think this guy sounds familiar. But anyways, uh, we'll leave it at that. Of course, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at TalkAstonVilla. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. And of course, keep getting your donations in for acorns as well we'll be running that for the rest of the year but anyways we'll leave it at that and don't forget up the villa secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.